0: What's up, everybody? Uh, Matt D. Marinas here from White and Blue Review, sitting here with John Niatawa from the Omaha World Herald. Uh, Should we just call this the Mitch Ballack Podcast right now? Might have to. we're going to talk a lot about Mitch Ballack tonight. Um, Yeah, Creighton beat DePaul 91-78 to close out the regular season uh, with their fifth straight win, and they clinched the number five seed in the Big East Tournament. They'll play Xavier. They'll avoid the playing game. They're on Villanova's side of the bracket. St. John's and Marquette on the other side. So, um, all things shook out the way the Blue Jays probably wanted it. I would think so. So and maybe. Then, yeah, and in the meantime, Mitch Valick just you know set a blade record, broke a school record, and all that. So, lots to talk about. I um, get <laughs> I mean, it's always just to start with Mitch because that was unbelievable. It was. But it's like. That's probably the wrong word to use for it because I don't think it is unbelievable. No, uh, he hit 11-30s. That's unbelievable. Eleven out of twelve. Okay. Not not like eleven. for Yeah, 22. eleven for twelve is a little unbelievable. Uh, eleven for twenty two. But I mean, he's, uh, he he like puts in the work. He does it. He's obsessed. You know, it doesn't. It didn't shock me that it. If you told me going into this year that, Mitch Ballack's name was going to be either. On the same line as Ethan Rogge and Kyle Korver. With that school record of made threes of nine or above it at some point, you know I would have taken any odds you gave me because it's just that's just he's capable of it. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't totally unbelievable, but eleven for twelve, and the fact that the one miss was a in and out, yeah. <laughs> like right. where it was really close to twelve for twelve, uh, is a little unbelievable. And you know the, the the probably the crazier part about it is that Creighton needed it. It wasn't like a
1: I feel like a lot of those shots, maybe the final two at the end when they... No, even those were important. It felt yeah. like all of them were, were really big. Yes. Like, it wasn't Especially one the those Especially
0: the ones where, in, the, in the first half and early second. Like, he didn't just get on a heater and they buried DePaul. Like, they needed all of... Everything he had tonight, they needed it. Yeah. So, it was a... You know, it wasn't like Ethan... Ethan Rogge's... Because uh, even... I think Corver... I think they blew out Evansville that game, too. And... uh And then when, obviously they smacked Villanova when Rocky hit nine. Like both those games were total wipeouts. Like they weren't even competitive. This is before my time. What did Doug? What what
1: was like Doug's highlight of a shooting sort of display? Was a senior night when he dropped forty
0: five? But that that was a special one. That wasn't necessarily. uh, I mean, the three. Do it all from the art. No, the the, the three thousandth point was. um, Was from three where he sized the the guy up. That was a special shot. Maybe St. John's his senior year because he had 39, and he hit the game-winning three with like f- three point something seconds left, because they that was they only won by three. Right. Uh, I'm trying yeah. To think. So I know Corver and and Roggy have the records,
1: but it's kind of hard not to bring up if we are going to talk about like special shooting nights. I think mm-hmm. you have to bring D- Doug in the conversation at some point. Oh, for sure. Even though you know he doesn't have the nine threes.
0: I think he, yeah, I think in the Bradley game his sophomore year where he scored forty four, he did it on like twenty something shots. Mm. So yeah.
1: But yeah, anyway, so now Mitch is in the Mitch, group. yeah,
0: thirty nine points there on fourteen go. shots. That was <laughs> I mean, that's just incredible efficiency. Uh did, was there a point where you were watching that where you were like Oh, he's he's gonna have a special night, like he's on. You know what I mean? Did it did it click at all? I think I was when I looked down and saw that he was five for five I go I think I was in, like, thought he was three for three and then saw that he was out there. <laughs> So that kind of snuck up on me. Um,
1: I think the then, one, the step back he hit in front of DePaul's bench,
0: was, that, was nice that one.
1: one was one where I was like, okay, if he's doing that, you know, I think he's he's in a good place. That might have just been his second three, second yeah. or third three that he hit.
0: He hit one on Femi in the corner and stared at him. Was that that one? Uh-huh. Was that that step back? No, the oh. step back in front of their bench was on Struis. Okay. But the one he hit against Femi it might have been his first one, actually, the first three he got to go down yeah, he stared at Femi, he hit it and he stared at Femi like as he was back pedaling down the court right. so like when he that was there was a little bit of swagger there, so I think maybe he he, he, was, pulled in, that, he was in the zone from he pulled that from, from one the jump. from
1: uh Christian battle for that offensive board yep. He kicked it out to Mitch and he pulled that one from deep, but that wasn't too surprising because he he he'd do that even if he'd missed his first four, you know, in rhythm jump shot. Mm. I don't know when he (laughs) talked to him about this after the game, but (laughs) watched him in pregame warm-ups, and he, uh, after everybody was done, he, like, hollered at one of the managers and was, like, sort of head-nodded him to him in his direction so that the manager could give him a pass, and Mitch sort of mimicked the first play call that they were going to have at the start of the second half. Okay. where he comes off a screen and and sort of shoots. The momentum's taking him to his left, but he's also trying to size up, square his shoulders, and hit a, hit a jump shot from three, and so he, he sort of practiced that shot at the end of pregame warm-ups and nailed it, and then, you know, a couple moments later, Creighton's running the play, that play for him, and he comes off a screen, fading to his left, and nails the shot. Mm-hmm. And I was like... Yeah, I think he's. I think he's fine. Yeah, for <laughs> he's sure. he's gonna do. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't
0: think eleven threes, but. Uh. But some of them weren't even easy though. I, I'm. It's gonna be really curious to see, go back and. Uh, not only rewatch this game and just the flow of when they happened, but the degree of difficulty because, you know, he hit one at the end of the shot clock in the second half. That was a big one they needed. And he kind of had to, like, get yeah. Struce in the air and that lean into his body. One. That, was, that a was a hard... I don't even know if that
1: was over Struis. I thought that might have been over Cameron.
0: You, know, you might be right.
1: Um, yeah. I thought he got bumped, but Valley like, mm-hmm. got bumped a little bit and, mm-hmm. like, pumped and then side dribbled and kind of almost, like, leaned away from him mm-hmm. as he was shooting it. But, yeah, that was a nice play. Yeah. and uh, That might have been the toughest one that he
0: had. For sure. Either that one or a step back. But Yeah. Uh, I mean, the one that he got fouled on was... Uh, he was fading to his left, and he, and, he, and he still got fouled. Yeah. So like there was there was not a lot of space to get that off. Um, yeah, that was just a special shooting display, you know. And it's crazy because credit the credit his teammates too for finding him too. I thought they did a yeah, pretty good talk, job yeah. of like
1: recognizing okay that Mitch is he's got it. So let's. And you know what, Marcus set some screens for him and 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 get the ball to him.
0: And Marcus did something interesting after the game, too, because Marcus Zagorowski had a career-high 10 assists, and five of those 10 assists were on ballot threes. Mm -hmm. And he said that when he knew, when he kind of had a feeling Mitch was on, the way he wanted to set him up was to stay away from him and load the defense to the ball so Mitch could work off Off, of it, and then he could, you know, find him that way through... Just con- like getting the defense in rotation, right? Kind of. He he was like be aware of where he is, but not. He said, "If you sometimes in that situation, if you have a guy who's on a roll, you tend to go to them and try to just get them the ball in any situation you can, and maybe force it to them." And he said, "When you but when you do that, the defense you 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 create a crowd of people because they kind of know you're looking for that guy." Mm-hmm. So his strategy when he felt like Mitch was on a heater was. To stay away from Mitch, drag the defense to him to the ball, and let Mitch, you know, find some openings, you know, on the weak side, and then set him up that way. I so th- I thought that was really heady I
1: instincts think that's by Marcus right. by
0: Zagorowski in terms of running the offense and also finding Mitch because, like I said, you know, half of his assists ended up being, you know, five of Mitch's 11 threes were on helpers from Zagorowski. Right. So I think
1: Mitch has learned a lot about positioning. Movement off the ball, like where to, how to sort of find a spot to settle in, um, where the defense is going to be and how it's going to react. Like I, I just feel like he is in a good shooter's position a lot of times, even well before the ball arrives. It was interesting because I was talking to Dave Plato about it after the game, and that was one of the things he mentioned is he just thought his guys didn't do good enough job defending before the ball arrived and and in terms of their positioning and knowing where he is mm-hmm. you know a lot of times they got to him and they contested the shot but against a good shooter especially once he's already in rhythm like that's not good enough you you have to your work has to be done before right. he gets the ball yeah and that was one thing <clears> that, that stood out to him and and to me it, I think it's a credit to Mitch because I think he's grown a lot in terms of just his understanding of offense and how to find an open spot for himself mm-hmm. so there was a there's a lot that went into that I mean sure 11 or 12 really good shooting but also some of the subtle things that he does just to get himself open
0: I think his footworks really underrated because he's very good. rarely you know and we hear Jim coach Flannery talk about this all the time on the women's side of it um, you know he's always shot ready when he's on catches and Dude, even he was and shot. he's really good at being and really he's really good at setting his feet off the dribble too to get himself square.
1: Yeah. And he I, was I, shot ready when he crossed half yes, court. Yes. He was shot <laughs> ready when a couple back. times yeah. and we you and I both mentioned we were like, I think Mitch seriously thought about pulling that from 32
0: feet <laughs> or whatever it was. He's like he looked at the rim and he goes, "Yeah, I got it. like <laughs> I, I can see it, <laughs> you know. It's I can see it like clearly, the orange." <laughs> um, it's crazy. Cuz you have to when you're on a when you're on a heater like that, you probably have to have some self control because you probably feel like you. can have every possession. No, right?
1: I've heard this from. I think it was Steph Curry said it. And, um, I think it was him. But he's like one of the things is when you when you get hot as a shooter, a lot of times you can shoot yourself out of a slump. Right. So one of the keys is at least I think I'm shoot I'm, yourself out of a slump or out put, of a heater or out of a heat. Yeah, yeah. Like shoot yourself into a slump. Right. It's basically mm-hmm. uh, Steph. I think it was Steph. Mm-hmm. He was saying that, like, you know, when I get hot, I don't want to hunt shots. Like, I want to keep taking shots that keep me in my rhythm. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to just... A lot of people say heat check. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. You took that heat check. Well, in Steph Curry's mind, he's like, no, you don't take heat checks because a heat check can knock you out of rhythm. Mm-hmm. So you want to take the shots that just keep keep you in a rhythm. So
0: I feel like Mitch has a lot of that mindset. I know he's... Been around Steph before, so he's yeah. learned some tricks of the trade. I'm pretty sure that was so, Steph who said that, but okay. a, I'll believe you. it. Makes sen- it makes right. sense. It makes sense because he's well, a very efficient three point shooter. Yeah, so. and
1: what's funny though is sometimes when I watch Steph play, I'm like, that felt like a heat, se- heat check <laughs> shot, man. Right? Like, I'm not sure. <laughs> there if you're there like are levels to it theory. though. Like a, a heat check for Steph Curry right, is like it's different, you know, it's yeah, different. yeah, for sure. It's um, like a
0: layup for us. But Mitch has always talked about not hunting shots. You know what I mean? His teammates have pleaded, his coaches have pleaded, like, "Dude, hunt more shots yeah. because you're." You know you're a sniper, so, but he's like he feels like it doesn't it ruins the flow of the game, and if he starts hunting shots, it takes away from just what they're trying to do offensively as a whole, and it's better for him to stay within the flow of the motion and and that's how he can find his looks. So, you know, I think I think there were some situations tonight where he did, you know, maybe not hunt shots, but he definitely tried. To be more of a sh- aggressive shooter, mm-hmm. even when he was defended, he would use the dribble, he would use shot fakes, he would use his footwork to you know just create enough space against guys to create his own shot, and I think that's probably the thing that stands out most to me about if we're if we're comparing the guys that he just passed tonight and Ethan Rocky and Kyle Korver, those guys and Ethan, you know, is it's it you know it's kind of a running gag that he hardly ever dribbled. Yeah. Uh but Corver learned how to create his own shot as his you know later in his career. For Mitch to have a game like this as a sophomore and to be able to show the ability to create off the dribble his own offense. Uh, at is. this stage of his career it's you know, it can only you know, you, you wonder where the ceiling is in terms of just how good of a scorer he could possibly be because if guys run him off the three-point line, he can still get to the rim and score, and he still has good touch to score in the mid-range area. Um, so he, you know, there's a there's potential there for him to take off as a really high-level scorer in this league, um, given his skill set. In comparison, I guess to the other guys is what I'm maybe yeah. trying to say. Yeah. Because I think Corver his first couple years, was spot up, and Ethan was. At his best was catch and shoot. So, you know, for Mitch to be able to make as many shots off the dribble tonight as he did is a really good, maybe, indicator for what he could possibly be in the future as a scorer. Um, Him and Martin, though, when you add up their total nights together, 62 points total Mm. of the 91 that Creighton scored, and they did it on 24 shots. Isn't that ridiculous?
1: No wonder Creighton shot 58% from the floor as a team. Yes, right, 64% in the second half. It was unbelievable. Ooh, 64% in the second half. Mm. Yeah. 8 of um, 11 from 3 in the second half. That's all right. fish, but,
0: like, I mean, they missed, as many, they missed as many free throws as they did field goals. You know that? 28-24 20 from the field, they were 10 of 14 from the line. So they missed as many free throws. They missed more free throws than Freeze between them.
1: They were 19-28 to 28 from the line. 29-50 from the floor. Did you talk about in the uh, second
0: half? I'm talking about Mitch and
1: Oh, you Martin. were talking about yeah. Mitch and Martin, my bad. My Mitch bad. and
0: Martin missed four free throws in four, okay. th- in four field goal attempts. <laughs> like, that's the... <laughs> you know what I mean? But, yeah, Martin, like, had a, you know... I felt like he had allowed 23-10, and 10, but because of how much Mitch was lighting up the scoreboard, it was... Yeah. It was almost like it, it, it took a back seat. Yeah. But David, when, when normally, it, that would have been a night where he'd have... Easily play the game, right. you know? Davion
1: Vince did a pretty good job of finding Martine, I felt like, in yeah. the first half. I'd have to go back and look at it, but it seemed like, um, I, I, and it probably wasn't just Davion there, a lot of guys, but like, Crump, Martine didn't get a lot, didn't, he didn't get a lot of points off of one on one ISOs, did he? I mean, I think he drew, drew fouls a couple times. There's, I think, mean, one three point play, one, I remember. Three on point play, yeah. in the second half. I know, he, I think he got to the line on one. Mm mm-hmm. Um, and then he hit that trail three, but I, I don't know. I just yeah, thought I thought it, there were a lot.
0: Uh, Tyshawn had a lob to him. Marcus had a lob to him. So yeah,
1: there wasn't I, many. I, I just thought they did a good job of uh, keeping an eye out for him, just because. Um, I thought they. I thought uh, DePaul had trouble guarding him one on one, Creighton's guards, and once they got into the heart of DePaul's defense. Obviously, you, you got a decision to make. You can try to attack the rim. You can kick it out, or you can look for Martin because some because you beat your man, but they're they're rotating over and helping. And I thought they made good decisions in those spots. Was it good for Creighton to have twenty three assists on twenty nine field goals? No, I'm of, saying like
0: was it good to Creighton. Part to of that get that on- is
1: 14 threes. It's usually yeah, yeah. you don't see. I mean, usually you'll see if you hit 14 3s threes, you're going to see a pretty high assist total usually because mm-hmm. a lot of times. I mean, the majority of threes are off a of pass, especially for this team.
0: But there was some balance to what they were doing. You know, they go 19-28 at the foul line, so they got to the rim. They scored 30 points in the paint. And then, yeah, you know, no, 42 from the three-point right, line. No, so, like, it, it was like, it wasn't like they were just reliant on one area for scoring. Was it good for Creighton to have an offensive game like this before the Big East tournament and just... You know, I know probably they're not happy with the way the defense went, especially the last, what, 30 minutes of the game? The last 30 minutes, yeah. Um, compared to how they were the first eight-plus because that was... I honestly think that... Oh, it gets to your question in a second, but I think that first eight-plus won them the game. Yeah.
1: Like, I, that totally... I mean, obviously Mitch's, you know, scoring barrage was... a, probably the defining element of the game. But mm-hmm. that stretch really changed the flow of everything. I mean, DePaul had to play from behind for the entire game and I don't know I, I felt like I felt like the Blue Demons eventually settled in and to me they looked like they were working just a little bit harder than Creighton for stretches in the middle of that game, like mm-hmm. end of the first half, early second half. But I do think that they never really could put the pressure on the Jays because they were down 60 to two after eight minutes yeah. and a lot of that a lot of that is I thought it was I mean Craig's. to go that
0: long with only putting two points on the score Right. that's a long it's time hard to, to recover not. from that right yeah right, right.
1: um so and they didn't they never really did I mean they pulled within four a few times and got mm-hmm. within three but they had to really work to make those runs and naturally as basketball goes you make a run then your opponent does and Craig was just always able to keep them at arm's length and so mm. You get off to a good start like that. And DePaul probably could have been a little bit more aggressive early, but Creighton's defense, those guys were all over the place, um, deflecting passes and helping each other on rotations, double-teaming with a purpose, and forcing DePaul to shoot jumpers, and they missed them to start. So even the shot that Eli Kane made was a really tough runner off the glass that – I don't know, high degree of difficulty yeah, on that Jim shot. Yeah, because
0: the post player was walled up, yeah. so like, it could have been another miss. Yeah. Right.
1: So they were 1-9 with six turnovers on their first 14 possessions, two points. And to me, that just sort of set a tone for the game. And while DePaul did settle in, you know, they <laughs> they had to dig out of a 14-point hole on the road. That's really tough to do. So For sure. But anyway, back to your question about the offense. Yeah, Yeah, I think it is important. I think this team needs as much confidence as they can get offensively. I think it knows what it can do defensively, and it's proven that over the last ten games. Mm -hmm. Uh, But offensively, it's been up and down, hot and cold type thing. Like, they played well against DePaul and Georgetown, but then didn't shoot it well against Marquette and um, Providence. Mm -hmm. So, And then, obviously, the four-game losing streak, they didn't shoot it well during that stretch either. Right. So I think that uh, I guess they did a little bit against Seton Hall. They shot up decent against Seton Hall, didn't they? They,
0: they got hot against Seton Hall yeah, for sure.
1: Tyson got hot.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, we've, I think we've heard from these guys the last couple of weeks. Like, it's, it, if we can get our shots going, we mix that with the defensive improvement we made, we're going to be really good. Or it's going to be scary to play. And so I think the more evidence of that that they can sort of rely on, even. If they go through a stretch in the Big East tournament, four-minute stretch where they go one of four, one of five from the field, that mentally that won't affect them, and they can um, they can trust it. They're maybe
0: on uh, due for a stretch where they're gonna go five of six. Yeah, and the one thing I always think about when I watch this tournament is who's you're playing a game on a neutral floor, but it's It's also a home court of one of the teams in the league in St John's, so teams do have an opportunity to play there during the season if they you know if St. John's decides to make it a big game and move it to Madison Square Garden instead of Carnaseca and I usually think that's an advantage going in if you already just had the experience in that arena and you know what it's like that season and you kind of have some familiarity with it. The game that Creighton's going to play on Thursday against Xavier, both of those teams haven't played in MSG yet this year, so that's all going to be fresh for both teams. Mm. Um, so I think only three teams have made the final since the league realigned without playing a game at MSG during the regular season. I think Creighton did it in 16-17. I think Bill, Pro- and Nova always plays in the in MSG yeah. during the regular season. And Providence so. has done it twice: the year they won it, and then the year last year they lost to Nova. Nova. They, yeah. Those. So Providence has made the Big East final twice, and they've won it once without playing an MSG in MSG during the regular season. And Creighton has made the Big East final once without playing in MSG. Other than that, no one has yeah. made the final without playing a regular season game there. So I know it's a small sample size, but I still think having some familiarity with the arena, with the environment. You know, with the stage, is important. However, Craig and Xavier are both um, have blank slates, so there won't be an advantage either way in that game. Um, which I think is, like I said, has some degree of importance. What, How much, we don't know, but I think it's a factor. Uh, let's see. Defense on Max Struess mixed, for sure. They definitely let him get loose a little bit, but not the to the not, not to the degree that he had been in the last two games. Because yeah, he, he had nineteen. So unfi- on fifteen shots too. So <laughs> I think uh, Davion did a really good job in the first half. Of, uh, yeah, definitely. You know, chasing him off screen. had four shot attempts in the first half
1: right. for a guy who came in. Um, what was he like seventy three points or something like that mm-hmm. in the last two games or combined or whatever? I can't remember what his total was, but I mean he was on fire and. I did I did think though And he's not a made, guy
0: who needs space.
1: No. He but just when, needs when to be able they to catch clean. when when they ran that out of bounds play for him in the second half, early in the second half, it was after the flagrant foul and he got a wide open three, nailed it, I was mm-hmm. like, uh Because I think that's how he got going against Saint John's mm-hmm. was they ran an out of bounds play for him, he hit it, saw the ball go in, and then started hitting some shots, so he hit that uh hit one with Davion all up in his everything, you know. Yeah, rose up over the top of him and and nailed that one. And then I don't know the the foul banked three was pretty lucky. He got he got fouled, but uh, you know, obviously to bank it a three, that's just you know, kind of shrug your shoulders on that. But yeah, let's see who all guarded him. Connor Cashall guarded him. Uh, Marcus Zagorowski guarded him, Tyshawn Alexander guarded him, and then got two fouls in, like, eight seconds, so he had to go sit. Um, But after Davion Mintz collided with with Max Struess and Davion left and didn't return, um, they kind of threw a lot of different people at him because he, especially after Tyshawn sat down because they they didn't necessarily know who was going to, they didn't necessarily plan for that, I guess. It was supposed to be Davion and then on, and They were going to mix yeah. and match between those two, but I, th- I thought
0: Connor did a good coll- job. Yeah, Connor did. And, and the other
1: thing too yeah. that I thought is they the J's, they set screens. DePaul a lot of times will set screens for Struce to get him loose, and then I um, mean the same screen over and over again, <laughs> right? Um, and just to get him, just to free him up because, like you said, he doesn't need much space. If he curls around that screen and goes catches the ball going downhill into the paint. Um, he can score. He feels really confident scoring that way. Or if he pops, he doesn't need a lot of room to rise up over the top of a defender. Mm. He's six six. Um, he gets seems to get pretty good elevation on his jumper. You oh, know? definitely. So yeah. He shoots over the top of guards. He he's one of
0: the best at getting like really good elevation yeah. on his jump shot in the league. You know, for in, as big as he is, right? And then to have that amount of elevation on his jumper, that's really it's hard, hard to block play. him.
1: Hard, to, hard to even bother him if he's taking that shot. Exactly. Uh, but I thought one thing that I thought that. There's like help defenders um, who would like if if Struz was coming off a screen. A lot of times you'd see a Creighton guards just sort of show for a second, um, while the while the primary defender on Strosz like recovered back to him. I just mm-hmm. thought that they did a good job of collectively team defense um not putting one guy on an island say hey yeah just chase him around the, around the screens and right. be there for him um i thought that they did a pretty good job of just um i i, I think there might have been times when if i if i were guarding the ball and i and my man pass it to pass it to Struess, like i would cheat over and, and try to help um just momentarily, while my teammate, the other defender, got that got back and and helped on him, uh, mm-hmm. or or got back and and was able to guard him. I, I feel like I don't know maybe maybe the all on ball defender didn't necessarily do that as often as I'm thinking, but I feel like Creighton did a good job of uh, collectively working to slow Sturs down. Yeah, and because it it is a lot to put on one person to have to fight through a lot of those screens, and if you're just a step late. It's kind of the same thing with miles Powell, like you really can't give those guys a room because all their once they get the ball in a in a rhythm they they even like him streusson and and Powell they make shots when they don't even look when they leave the ground a lot of times I feel like when shooters leave the ground you you think that's when they want to be square to the rim, have their shoulders set and be on balance, but I feel like sometimes you'll see Struess and really especially Powell, when they rise up, it almost looks like they're off balance while they're rising up, but and then they, they get themselves. Yeah, that's yeah. What, right, I <laughs> totally agree with <laughs> they you. put themselves yeah. in balance. But they reset in mid-air. Yeah. yeah. They and, square themselves up right. in the air Right, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and that's why that's what makes it so difficult as a defender, because you're, you're trying to catch up Mm-hmm. While they're
0: already in the air, sort of yeah. putting themselves. Well, you in. you probably think you've already broken rhythm. Yeah, and the shot they're taking now is when you're ready to force them to take. Right, and then all of a sudden there's a reset in midair, and it's rhythm, and it's you know, and the yeah. ball goes through accordingly, and you're like, dang, right? You know, how do I take away that now?
1: Exactly. And,
0: yeah. No, I totally. Agree. Yeah,
1: that, that, the 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 second one that Struz hit was one of those where I. I caught the ball coming off a screen and immediately elevated and in my head I'm like there's no way he's shooting that right and then all of a sudden because like like he looks like he's about to you know fall over there's yeah. no way and then there he is burying it so I don't
0: know if I've ever said that when Masters Masters has caught the ball though <laughs> I think every time I have caught I just time, assume every he's time shooting. he catches it I think he's shooting yeah. it. I always say that That's going up that's going um, yeah, up. that's going exactly um uh, let's see we, should we get to questions and then whatever was left over if we talk, you know, we'll talk about Xavier and then yeah. the tournament I think we're pretty confident we can break down some awards right do we want to go there at all yeah I'm fine with that yeah I think we can do that um, this first one is from Alex Sass what does the team need to do in the tournament the Big East tournament to go NCAA versus one or two in the NIT win two right I think
1: win two and you're in.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: win one and I don't know. You'll be sweating, and For sure. honestly, you pr- you probably still be uncomfortable. when two. Mm-hmm. You win two and you probably still will feel not great about it. Honestly, no, there's
0: no doubt about that. Uh, I think the fact I think th- I think here here's where because we're starting to get into scenarios now, and you assume that. By the way, though, don't you feel like it? Kind of
1: feels like Creighton is already a one or a two in the NIT.
0: Oh yeah, based you, on. Do you think so? Based on their metrics, I think so. So right, but the but the NIT is weird. They're a different entity. It is. It they is, don't. But it, we don't even know what we don't right, really know what they their do, barometers they do are.
1: The the top the one seeds are all the last four out, or the I'm sorry, the first four out okay. of the NCAA tournament get the one seeds in the NIT. Okay, and right now that's where Creighton, Creighton is sitting. So if you would, if Creighton were to lose against Xavier on Thursday, I'm trying to think
0: because last year Nebraska was a first four
1: out. No, they weren't a first four out. Didn't Rass say they were? He he said that there's a group of teams uh, that they were considering for the final four or five spots. A group of teams. I don't know. I don't remember the numbers. It was uh-huh. like let's just say, um, and I'm paraphrasing here. There are five open spots on the last day, and there are a group of. 10 teams that they were looking at, and Nebraska was one of those Mm -hmm. 10. So, like, they weren't technically a last four. Okay. Or first four out. Gotcha. But that first four out.
0: So that's an important distinction.
1: Yeah, they go to, they become the one seeds, and to me that's where Creighton is today. Mm -hmm. So if it were to lose to Xavier, then maybe it's a two, maybe it's a three, I guess. I don't Mm -hmm. know. But I feel like Creighton's right in that one to two. Pretty confident range that for
0: already that that like where they stand now, plus one more loss is an anti home game. For sure. That's what it feels okay. like. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So but yeah, what they have to do to get in? Now um, no for the NCAA's. Yes. So two puts them. Let's see. We just had this sheet printed out. So this is their team sheet before tonight. So right now they're seventeen and thirteen versus Division One. The co game doesn't count on their team sheet. Um so a win over Xavier puts them at eighteen and thirteen with neutral is one through fifty. So Xavier won't be a Q one neutral win. No. So it'll be a Q two and it'll be it'll be a Q two so Creighton will be seven and three if they beat Xavier against against uh quadrant two teams. Yeah.
1: I always like to add up the one and 2s. Together, okay. I don't know if the committee does this or not, but I do. I have. Pretty heard, sure they don't, right? I've had. I've heard Rasmussen say, you know. How does how did these teams do against teams projected to be in the NCAA tournament field? Right. And I get that you add up. Not all one and two games are against teams that are projected to be in the NCAA tournament field, but generally speaking, they are. So mm-hmm. for me, like the, the quickie sort of reference, I add up one and two together, and so Creighton's
0: you got two wins over rest of tournament teams. Right now and Marquette. Is that yeah. two?
1: Those are the two wins that it, over yeah. over surefire NCAA tournament teams. But it's quad one and two record um, combined. Going into tonight was eight and 13. Going into
0: tonight was eight and 13? Yeah,
1: but it appears yeah. that the Providence and Georgetown games at home, they have the potential to bump from a quad three to a quad two. Mm-hmm because both of those teams won today. So um, Creighton could improve its quad one slash quad two record to 10 and 13 by not even playing.
0: Yeah, right. So there's going to be a lot of moves. This is a really stressful time for people trying to, like, peg. If If you're a fan of a team that's on the bubble, trying to, like, narrow it down to what needs to be done is really difficult because there's there's probably as much if not more things out of your control that are going to affect your chances as opposed to just what do we need to do you know yeah. what I mean and so th- like the
1: other thing to note too that it does kind of get overblown a little bit according to uh just conversations with Bruce Rasmussen about the selection process is the quad 1 record mm-hmm. and the quad 2 record it's like it's just a way it Absolutely. we can't show you this this is in a visual medium, we're recording a podcast, we can't show you this team sheet, but like it's the way that, that's how they sort the games. And so they have to find, instead of having a schedule, if you list your schedule of games from uh, start to finish, up, like start in November, then December, then mm-hmm. January, February, like, it's hard to discern through that and, and to figure out, um, okay, this is a good win and this is a bad win. So I think this just helps the committee um, as a as a starting point okay this quad this here's what you did in this quadrant um versus this quadrant so yeah. um i mean I, the, that's it, what i guess what i'm saying is that um not not all quadrant 1 wins are created equal correct not all quadrant 2 wins are created equal and correct. and losses the same so um it is when you're on the bubble you really put yourself in a position to i mean it's so subjective it's hard to know what the committee's going to think and the other thing is there's 10 there's 10 different people in the committee and 10 different opinions about what is a good basketball team and what metrics matter more and mm-hmm. what you did or didn't do and so you're really just at the mercy of those people deciding um how good you are, and that's a tough spot to be in. But that's yeah. also the spot that Creighton puts put itself in. So, right, um, you know, best game, My th- <laughs> best objective, or the fit. or the best the best path here is to
0: win all your games. My, yeah, I death. think the best way I can put it, as simply as possible, in answering this question is when I look at Creighton's team sheet. There's 17 Division One wins on it right now. 13 Division One losses and there's a top 20 strength of schedule overall. So Creighton has challenged themselves both in the non-conference and obviously you know, through the 18 Big East games plus whatever they play at MSG. To me, if I'm just going to narrow it down as simply as possible, I don't see how a team that wins 19 games against the top 20 strength of schedule is left out. Will this be different because there's a new metric being used as a sorting tool? We'll find out. And I think that's something that's going to be very interesting to see because there are teams that that are showing up on a lot of brackets. NC State. <coughs> <laughs> yes. That are showing up on a lot of brackets uh, that did not do that, They did not challenge themselves in the non-con and just racked up wins. Sometimes not even impressively. Yeah. I so mean, it, it's always, the, that, down, it's it'll always be the question such a will be curious. It's so Creighton
1: um, has seventeen division one wins that playing what what did you say, the twentieth toughest sixteenth uh, sixteenth toughest strength of schedule. So right. um, a team like Temple, which a lot of people have said maybe deserves a bit an at large bid, mm-hmm. if Temple had Creighton's schedule, would Temple get to seventeen wins? Yeah. You know, would Belmont get to seventeen wins? Yeah, and see, I, like, and that's, I get that's, that. that's my
0: thing too, is like when you when you, if let's say Creighton wins these next two and loses in the final, that's 19 wins, Division one wins versus a what will probably stay at top 20, strength of schedule. Yeah. Belmont, a team that lost in their turn conference tournament final today, has 24 wins against a strength of schedule of around 250. Right. So, at what point are like how much difference is 24 versus 250 versus 19 versus top 20? Like, what's the <laughs> Right. Is that, are five wins the difference? Like, is that, so then Belmont and Creighton are on even footing and then you just like, you know, you use different metrics to turn, like the efficiency metrics to decide who's the better team, you know? That's that's going to be a tough debate. It's, it, it is going to be very, and it's the debate
1: that we hear all, like, every year. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I kind of go back and forth with it because I, um, I empathize with the mid-majors who, who don't have a lot who of opportunities, don't have opportunities to prove themselves. Yeah. I yeah. get it. But, I also, I feel pretty certain that some of these mid-major teams that are on the bubble right now, for potentially earning at-large berths, um, you know, the knock on the the major conference teams that are they're contending with is that those major conference teams have had a lot of opportunities and haven't taken advantage of them, Mm -hmm. or just haven't been consistent. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a reason why they haven't been consistent. It's because they're not they're not great, but they're pretty good, and pretty good teams don't go ten and two against the you know top half of their schedule. Pretty good teams go six and six or five and seven against the top half of its schedule. That's right. that's what good teams that's what pretty good teams do. Yeah. And so in I my mean, you mind, look at
0: Villanova and Marquette right now, the top two teams by a considerable gap in this league, what four games, right? Aren't they four games better than three? Thirteen and five versus nine and nine is yeah. third place, right? So Villanova and Marquette finished four games better than the. Wait, Marquette lost six games, didn't they? Because Villanova won outright. I that's think Marquette's correct. twelve and six. Yeah. So Marquette is second in the league, three games ahead of third place. Those two finished nine and ten down the stretch combined. Villanova was five and five. Uh, Marquette was four and five. Down the stretch. So think about that. When you're t- wait, because that's going along with what you're saying about how it's. When you, when you do have a schedule that is challenging, on, you know, what biweekly is it? Two games a week, essentially, uh, in a major conference, you know, going five hundred is hard. Yeah, and going five hundred is good. Right. So, what's the difference in, you know, what's what's the gap before you have to say? Well, the mid-major team is clearly the better team here. Um, you know, is it seven wins? Is it eight wins? Like, how much more? How many more wins do you need against the the weaker competition uh, to bypass a team that doesn't have as many wins as you but play a tougher schedule? Mm-hmm. You know, a considerably tougher schedule. The
1: other thing too that I'll—I mean, two aspects that we haven't talked about yet with Creighton's resume that it's hard to get a read on what, what kind of difference it'll make, mm-hmm. um, and Honestly, last year I feel like it was a, a different a differential factor was the fact that Creighton didn't have any bad losses. Um, still applies, and it applies this year too. But mm-hmm. I do think there are more major conference teams this year that don't have bad losses that are also in on the
0: bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, not NC State though.
1: <laughs> no, not NC State. <laughs> but uh, Indiana. Indiana's one is. Does Florida have a bad loss? I think they might have suffered one that they shouldn't have. Um, yeah. Oklahoma, I, Oklahoma's probably in, but Oklahoma got, doesn't have a bad loss. They
0: got jumped in a back alley tonight.
1: Right, but they just beat uh,
0: KU, smacked them. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, but that's the funny thing that you brought up a couple of days ago was that Oklahoma is going to finish what. 7 oh right, seven and eleven right. in Big Twelve play, play. Right. and they're probably going to get in. Probably going to get in. Not only that, but they're seven and eleven. And you probably think they're safe. Think Feels it, safe. That's crazy, Safe-ish. right? Ish. Is yeah. that crazy to say? Well, out loud? TCU like is
1: seven and eleven in league play too, aren't
0: they? Mm-hmm. After today, yeah. Texas is five hundred right now. Yeah,
1: yeah. And they're and they're considered a
0: bowl team. team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's wild, right? Right.
1: So it's the uh, no bad losses. I think that's obviously um, something that. Could benefit Creighton, and then the other factor is the injury. All oh, right, uh, the injury to Marcus Zagorowski. Three losses without Zagorowski. Yeah, and and, and just guy. having, you know, not having Damian Jefferson available, having Connor Cashaw out for a game, and mm-hmm. Tyshawn Alexander miss a game. Like I think Creighton, there's a case to be made, um, if you've been monitoring the league closely, which everyone that's injured
0: so not named Jacob Everson <laughs> because that's not part of your team. This <laughs> yeah, one. exactly. Yeah, right. Right. Um, so I think people. Jays I've, heard people say, I've heard people say. I've heard people say. Well, they lost person too, but Everson isn't coming back to the NCAA tournament. So that's not. The so team. the committee. He's not, not, not part that. of the team that will be playing right. in March, right? So right. So it's just the Jefferson Zegarowski readditions, the Cashaw readdition. Does that make Tychon them? readdition. Like, readdition. Does that make them an NCAA tournament team? Because they played, you know, the Villanova road game without Tyshawn and Marcus, um, and Dave, Damien, and Connor weren't one hundred percent, and then they played. Uh, Seton Hall, Xavier, without Marcus, and then the Seton Hall game where he had the uh, the, the the pad that the was pad, even yeah. more so than it, more intrusive to his ball handling and his shooting ability than yeah than it was before. So the four games that were lost essentially that you could narrow down to not being a hundred percent. Well, you, if you wanted yeah, to make that argument, you, can, you could. I
1: don't think you necessarily. I don't think you should, but I do think you can say well like I don't I don't want to say injuries were the reason why they lost, but right. I I think that you can say the nature that, of the that, game that, well that this the result that they weren't healthy. Yeah. We don't know what they could become. Mm-hmm. Like you could leave that four game stretch and say they could have won those games sure, but also um there is more potential for this group because we know they're not healthy. But mm-hmm. what is that potential? I don't right. know. Right Now we're starting to see what it is. And so maybe if you're looking at what kind of team this Jays group is, perhaps more weight should be placed on the last five games.
0: That's the thing,
1: right? Versus the games that came before it, it because yeah, it, it, it wasn't. If Creighton
0: had gone up and down in this last five-game stretch still, we wouldn't be having this conversation because... Then we could say, well, those four that four game losing streak wasn't a to- wasn't was reflective of who they are as a team because they've been healthier and still had up and down results. The fact that they've won every game since they got, you know, quote unquote back, it makes that four game losing streak even more it gives you you know, you have to take it with more of a grain of salt than you would have had they not finished as strong as they have so far. Yeah. And that's why they're in the conversation right now, because they've won five in a row. Right. Had they not done that, they, we wouldn't even talk about this right now. No. It would, it would, it would be win the whole tournament or you're playing in the NIT. Um, that was our first question. <laughs> so let's move on to the next question. That, was a, oh, that almost took 15 minutes. Um, this is from Chris Hall. I'd like to hear how Paul Lusk has made an impact on the team. Uh, D has improved immensely. Just wonder if he impacts other areas. Uh, that's a good question, Chris, because I'm glad we get to talk about this, because I think he's been, what, maybe the unsung hero of this last five games, considering the jump Creighton's made defensively? Well, I think
1: you also I mean,
0: factor in the four-game
1: losing streak, too. Oh, yeah. What uh, yeah. they did defensively in that stretch was impressive as well. And
0: so, yeah, his impact on the team. Maybe some uh, nuances that people, wait, maybe not know that he implemented the tracing of the ball. The ball pressure, you yeah. know, just extending it a little bit more off the perimeter instead of, you know, staying inside the three-point line and waiting for them to come to you and closing gaps up. But, you know, there's a lot that – also the way he teaches it. I think
1: the way he teaches it is, yes. is the big thing. I mean, just um, understanding what is tripping guys up and how to work with them to help them overcome it. I've, ta- I've talked to Mitch – a week or two ago, just about, you know, he was saying, you know, I'd go out and do run drills with Coach Lusk, and they, you know, it would just be him, Mitch, Coach Lusk, and a manager, and they'd be doing just uh, see ball and man type drills, or or how to, or uh, I think, gosh, I want to say maybe he was doing some sort of uh, rotating maybe trying to stay in a stance but rotating. I can't remember exactly what he was so
0: footwork uh, related then? Yeah, right? something
1: yeah. well and, and just like awareness of knowing how to mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it, I think it, I think one of the, maybe one of the things he was working on was how to how to provide help but also still be ball aware. Yeah, right? and, and, yeah. and be aware of where your man is as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like I feel like positioning and oh um, being alert and active is this group's um, I don't know, it's just it's awareness level. It's just skyrocketing. I, can't, I think I part can't of that comes with understanding. I think well actually a lot of it I think has come with understanding. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that has been a result of Repetition. Yeah, reps and and Coach Lusk working with these guys. Mm-hmm. Watching think, film and, and running drills with them and, and just trying to hit it home.
0: I can't remember which game it was, but I believe it was a question you asked Mac in a presser in the non-conference. and, um, Co. You know, part of the response you got... Was it co? Jesus. I'm pretty uh, sure it was co. <laughs> so part of the response you got had to do with uh, the thought process versus just the instincts.
1: Yeah. Because um, in, at the co-game... After the co-game, Greg McDermott was pretty frustrated and some of the players, just how many threes co-got because that was their game plan was don't get them, let them get threes. Mm-hmm. But McDermott's message was or when he was talking to us, he was he said stuff. Essentially he said, Our guys were in position or they knew what to do they just weren't doing it. They weren't able to like, the in their mind process it quickly enough to be in the right spot and so they just needed more time to rep that, mm-hmm. and to where it, it became less like, about yeah. thinking
0: and more about just flying around, reacting, and being. Because mm-hmm. it looks like the defense is flying around a lot more, yes, these days, which is goes along the lines of using your instincts more, reading and reacting quicker, and there's just so. They're so active with their hands oh, too, yeah. you know, and, and, and which isn't normally how Greg McDermott likes right, to run right. the defense. But
1: but that is that is a re- in my opinion that's a result of positioning and just mm-hmm. like knowing, maybe anticipating a little bit. If you if you're active with your hands and you're out of position, you're going to foul. Mm-hmm. Like you, it starts with posi- it starts with being in the right spot. Because if you're not. Like you have to move your feet. If you're not moving your feet in your region, you're you're getting fouled. Exactly. But if you're in the right spot, then suddenly the ball's right in front of you, and you can just knock it away. Mm-hmm. You don't. You're not like uh, lunging to try to get yourself raking arms. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think they're, To me, that was that's what stood out a lot too. Is just that these guys are in a spot to make a play, mm-hmm. and now that they're in, they find themso- themselves in that spot more and more. They're making plays and. Uh, yeah, the players deserve a lot of credit for that. Coach Lust does. Mitch mentioned his game plans after the uh, after the game today, too. Just uh, the way that they've scouted teams and tried to um, – I think they've just provided more help in situations, um, whether they've targeted a, a, a certain player to play off of a little bit or um, just been more committed to double teaming at times. Mm-hmm. They've been kind of clever in some of the uh, game plans they've crafted. And,
0: it, and the players and have done a good job of executing. But they aren't easy effective. game plans either. No, they there's really a lot of communication. Been, yeah. There's a lot of switching. A lot of, there's a lot of help in recovery. Yeah. Um, it's no small thing that Creighton has taken the jump defensively. I know people were very frustrated with some of the performances they put forth, especially early in the, you know, as they started facing tougher teams in the non-con, and uh, as they got into Biggie's play, wanted to see this team be a little saltier on the end of the floor. Uh, so it's no small thing that, that Creighton has taken the jump because, as you mentioned, the game plans are very intricate. They're not simple by any means, and the players have clearly made strides uh, with how good they are individually with their defensive instincts, and that's helped them execute the game plans to a, to a higher degree. Yeah. Um, this one's from Martin Swanson. Please make sense of this league because I can't. <laughs> Thank you and carry on. Sorry, Martin. I can't, man. I yeah, it's just one of the. I mean, I do. I, well, I don't what, think it's. We kind of expected this a little bit, right? The yeah. top's not going to be as good. The bottom's going to be a little better. Right. I don't and the know middle's going to eat
1: itself alive. Right. I don't know and if so, I saw the Villanova and Marquette slides coming though. Okay. Really. Uh, but one of the things I will say is just because there is a like the gap isn't as wide between the top and the bottom. Mm-hmm. If you hit a skid, you're going to be stuck in that skid for a while sure. because it's hard to once teams kind of have it's, it's al- the game's always about adjustments in the game and then between games like it's it's a game of adjustments. So if you're stuck in a skid and you're trying to figure yourself out. Well, these teams are just repeating what the opponent just did to you. Yeah. And until you figure it out, you're gonna lose games, or you're at least it's gonna be hard for you. To, uh, harder for you. These like your opponents are not going to um, um, ease up at all. And you can't just rely on your talent to pull you through because you're not that much more talented than no, anybody else. That's the thing. So yeah, um, I think there's a reason why eight of the ten big East teams have lost, have suffered a three game losing streak. That's at least a three st- game losing streak. Have you streak.
0: tweeted that stat or you know about that? Because th- that's wild to me. Yeah. When you think about when you think about the league and how tough it's been, nothing encapsulates that more clearly than that stat when right. you when you said it to me, I go, that makes total sense and it's still shocking to hear. Okay, so that a ten that a ten team league could have that many Creighton. teams think about this go on a slot. Think about this.
1: Marquette, who are your top five seats? Marquette, Villanova Seton Hall, Xavier, Xavier Creighton. Creighton. Yes. Four of those teams have lost at least four in a row at one yep. point. Yep. Yep.
0: In, le- in league, in league play, in not league. just like overall. Yeah. Xavier and Villanova is the four lost. seed, and I thought they were the ten <laughs> coming out of NACON. Right, right. Like Villanova lost
1: four or five at right. one point, so yeah. they didn't lose four in a row. But I mean, think about
0: Seton Hall. Seton Hall is the three seed, and they had a chance to lose eleven games because they played Marquette and Villanova in their season. They were sitting at seven wins before that, yeah. and they beat those
1: two teams. Right, they Marquette nine could have gone seven yeah. eleven. Yeah, Marquette had could have finished last.
0: Marquette you know. literally, as it shakes out in hindsight, had four chances to clinch a share of the Big East title and lost all four yeah, games. Right, they did. Think of how wild if they would have won one of one. Them, they get the they're, share. They're, they're yeah. t- they are hanging a banner. Yeah. One, they lost all four. And Villanova looked like they were dead in the water because right. they had lost three in a row. And then they had Marquette coming to Philly, and they were down late in that game, and it looked like Phil Booth and Eric Pascal were on dead legs with all the eight minutes left, and they were in trouble. And somehow they kicked it into a gear and recovered, yet they walked into Newark today with a chance to win and clinch the outright title and couldn't right. do it. They still needed yeah. help from Marquette losing to Georgetown at I, home. I, I just feel
1: like the big, the Big East is certainly it's it's it is down, and we knew it would be... Um, I I do think from a national perspective I don't think it's getting enough credit but then again um, you know when you have when the league eats itself alive like it has you kind of understand why why mm-hmm. that's the perception um, Villanova and Marquette to me are their NCAA tournament locks but after that the league doesn't have a team that's been consistent enough to put itself in that position mm-hmm. And you can make an argument for or against the rest of the eight teams in terms of how good they are, yeah. and it's hard to dispute whatever side of the fence you're on. It's, it feels like it's a league full of two NCAA tournament teams and eight, and eight NIT teams, mm-hmm. but it has eight NIT teams and not... Four nat teams and four teams that are just straight garbage. Right. Whereas, um, or you should be able to rack up eight wins among the group or seven wins among the group. Right. There's been yeah. that you hear that sort of mantra from people all the time. Coaches, everyone thinks their league's the best in the country, and you, you don't get in any easy night. And I agree, college basketball it is anything can happen. So if you don't come up, come with your A game, you could lose. But especially when, when you're, you're dealing this, with teams with
0: familiarity with
1: you, right? So it's it, like, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That amplifies the uh, the parity even more. But in this league there really is no bottom. It's just a bunch of middle of the pack teams yeah. that have just sort of beat up on each other all season. Yeah. With two teams in Villanova and Marquette that might have regressed to the mean lately, but at least early on they looked like the, the two the class of the league, mm. I guess you could say. Mm. Whereas the other eight were just trying to hang on and survive, but... Um, yeah. It doesn't... No, honestly, it doesn't make sense, and I, I, if you ask me who I thought was going to win the, the league tournament, I, I have no idea. Probably seen Hall. <laughs> that's not <laughs> a but bad I, pick right like, now, I have like, no idea, that's, but Yeah, that's... It, the, the only reason why is because they... I'm, I'll give it to the the player who's playing the best in Miles bow You're going to need
0: someone to have a special tournament, and he seems like a guy that can do it, so... Mm-hmm. But then again, there's a lot of guys... On a lot of teams, that if they do end up having special tournaments, you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: agreed.
0: Okay, uh, this one's from Bleeds Blue. Uh, no quick change, uh, no my favorite, no Red Panda, no Unicycle Family this year. What gives? I don't, know. I don't know about the former and the latter, or I guess am I saying that right? Because there's three. And Red Panda's washed, so I know why she's not. That's just. Drops balls too much. It's not, you know, it's not even a good act anymore. Ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> oh man. Quick change. Yeah, I missed quick change this year. Well, we year. got the uh, uh,
1: the beam. balance beam, the Russian trio. Is that what we call Russian them? bar trio? Yeah, they're pretty we didn't impressive. get the chair guy. Did we
0: not get the chair guy? I don't remember the chair guy. Yeah, we got the dumb dude who balances weird stuff that can yeah. kill him on his face. Uh, I kill still. Him? I don't think they can kill. Him. Dropping a ladder on your face? That Something, could kill him. I don't know. You don't think so? Nah. Next time he comes, I'm gonna trip him into it. <laughs> we'll see if it kills him. Maybe if it's an accidental drop, but the only thing I, I want so. out of that act, I guess, and I've said uh, this before, I want guys. the I want the blooper reel of that. I want I want the process of learning how to master that because you know, there are mistakes along the way. I want to know how costly his that, mistakes were and in that learning dude's that his chin is. Very strong. Yes. Like a very yeah. Very strong. Isn't it, doesn't he balance it on his chin? He does. Or does it for it. So he must no, do, like, a chin. lot of neck, you know, neck exercises, yeah. right, to, like, strengthen that, you know, it's, it's like a core, it's like a body core, essentially. Right, just he's, your,
1: but, he's yeah. like, got a really strong chin muscle. Because
0: not only does he balance this, you know, wheelbarrows and ladders and bicycles and stuff, but he goes into, like, the band and balances, Before like, your tuba. instruments. Yeah. yeah, like, so he can, you know, it doesn't even matter what it is, he can just balance it on his face. Right.
1: I'd like to see him balance the chairs that that one guy climbs on and then does Amazing. While the guy's climbing yeah. <laughs> like he, he balances, <laughs> He's just Like, he balances those chairs on his chin Jesus. while the other dude climbs on, on the chairs. Right. And, and that would be
0: something. Yeah. Yeah, we need to talk to someone about that. So what act did you miss this year, then, I guess? The chair guy. That's the one I want to see. I don't know if you missed that. I thought he was there this year. I'm week. pretty sure it wasn't. Oh, Okay.
1: You, he puts those chairs up and he climbs on them and then he puts that one up diagonal at the top and it's like what? Mm-hmm. What are you thinking? And he's probably done that fifty
0: million times, but you know what act I didn't miss this year is the dudes who just run on jump, run and jump on trampolines and dunk the ball. That that does nothing for me. Okay, because that's like what ninety ninety percent of the audience can do that. So no no
1: trampolines yeah,
0: man no. what no. they're right there.
1: You can't know Billy like Billy Bluejay does it. Billy Bluejay is uh, fantastic,
0: but he's like a little—he's five foot eight student.
1: Uh, yeah, but uh, easier said than done. People people think it looks easy, but no. I'm not. I'm not saying it's not. I'm saying ninety five is way too high. I'm telling. I you, would I, say I, you could do that. Fifty percent
0: of people could. You could do that. execute a dunk. You could execute jumping it. on that trampoline. You'd be fine. If they picked you out randomly, you'd you'd pull off. of the dunks. No problem. All right. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I was glad to see Red Panda because she drops shit all the time. I don't get it. I'm sure she had like a prime, but we haven't. I've never seen it. You know? Yeah. I still haven't seen her pitch up every game. Well, I feel sorry. I mean, she she almost did. I feel sorry for you. She almost did at MSG last year. She almost. She was in like. I think she was halftime of Xavier St. John's last year at MSG. And I was like, and she got really close. I was like, oh, should I do it this time? And then she dropped one. So and I was like, oh, not today.
1: I just don't understand why your standard is zero drops.
0: Because if you're. It then if, doesn't if make that's any your sense. If, if your whole act is catching the ball. Yeah, but it's, And you drop it, it's so difficult that it, you're allowed to drop. It's like, I, I don't, maybe, it's like a
1: dunk contest. Yeah. Is your standard? They can't ever miss well, a see dunk. The, see, the first. Thing. When they try their well, First crazy of all, dunks.
0: when guys do miss dunks, does it not hurt the performance? Uh, it, yeah, like Nate Robinson missing bit. like 12 out of 13. Well, Was yeah, that but not she doesn't bad? miss 12 out of 13. She might drop 12 out of 30 bulls <laughs> in oh. a given day. Because usually she drops the 4s and the 5s, right? So that's 5 bulls hitting the deck. No. no in in turn. No, so So like, Yeah. So if she goes like on an 0 for 3 streak, that's 12 bulls that hit the deck right there. That's a lot. I, sh- I didn't, Her shooting percentage, a sh- Mitch Ballack shot better than Red Panda usually does. Well Tonight,
1: yeah, I mean it was eleven or twelve.
0: That's she's crazy. never gone twelve or fourteen in front of me. I've never seen that. So what other questions we got? Yeah, sorry. Uh this is from Andrew Cresson. Help him saying that last name, right? Creighton plays either Xavier or Providence in the first second oh, this is a little bit delayed then, huh? News flash, they play Xavier. What does Creighton have to do well to beat their eventual opponent and advance forward further? So Xavier. Breakdown. Good. Good to yeah. talk about this. Um like, well, well the rebound. first game was yeah. First game was a blowout. Uh full strength Jay's well I guess not full strength, Marcus he played the whole game with a broken hand, pretty much. Yeah. Um But the first game was a blowout, second game was in Creighton's control, is that fair to say? I don't know. Well yeah. Up two with twenty five seconds left on the ball? Yeah. That's in control. They were inbound. up five with or up five to yeah. a couple times. I mean, inbound it, get fouled, hit free throws, win, yeah. type of deal. Yeah, yeah. up two with twenty five seconds left, and they threw the inbounds pass to Quentin Gooden to tie the game. Yeah. Uh, so, and that was with our, out Marcus Zgarowski altogether. So I mean, you could argue that this is probably the matchup Creighton wanted, based on regular season results. However, that game that Creighton blew in Cincinnati. Xavier's uh, been on quite a run since. I was going to say, that sort of sparked them. They've yeah. won. And well, he, they they won that game, two. and then they probably... Uh, what are they? Six. Five and one six? Five and one since, yeah. Yeah. And the loss is a five-point game to Butler on Senior Night at Hinkle. Right. So, Senior Night's are tough to win on the road.
1: Yeah, because... George, George, Johnson, George Yeah, challenged. I was going to say, George yeah. Jorgensen was motivated. Extra motivated for that one.
0: Yeah. For Butler. That was going to be a tough one to win. So... I mean, it's a matchup of, like, I think people would make the argument that Seton Hall is the hottest team in the league because they just beat Marquette and uh, Villanova, but they also just lost to Georgetown, too. So, I mean, it's not as extended as Creighton and Xavier's is. So, you could argue that this is a game... A matchup between two of the the two between the two right. hottest teams in the league right now. Yeah, I mean three weeks ago these two teams were tied for last. Oh yeah, so dead in the water, yeah. <laughs> like floating lifelessly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I mean, it comes down to what Martine Crample can do to neutralize Xavier's inside game. Tyreek Jones and Zach Hankins are really good. Uh, especially Jones has been on a tear during during Xavier's kind of. Get right streak here at the end. Uh, so if you know if that's a wash, the other the other thing working against Xavier is Najee Marshall missed today's game with an ankle injury. So right. how he's, healthy is he gonna yeah, be? Yeah, his status is I guess fair to say in doubt for that game is right it, now. Is it is it uh, believed to be a lengthy injury or they, they are they just it's just day to day. He okay. but he didn't practice all week this week and he didn't do shoot around today, so mm. he hasn't done anything on it. So he's a, he's a little bit out of shape. Um, so he probably needs to practice because I doubt he'll be able to do two weeks of nothing. He was really good against ready. Creighton in the, yes. at the end of the second He's half. He's been really at, good since, yeah, that, right, game. since yeah. that game.
1: But at the end of the ha- second half at Xavier and in overtime, he was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, rebounds the number one concern and key to the game. like,
0: yeah. like Creighton doesn't have Xavier to. Xavier likes to play a slow tempo, so... Creighton's ability to defensive rebound and run yeah, right. That's is big. important.
1: Yeah. And, and keeping them off the glass because they have a guy in Tyreek Jones who's one of the best offensive rebounding, um, best offensive rebounders in the country, and Zach Hankins is really good at it too. So um, against DePaul, I was just looking at it in the second half today, um, Creighton gave up nine offensive boards on 20 opportunities. That's Which
0: is weird though because they only gave up eight second chance points and it felt a lot worse than that. Mm-hmm. But they did give up 12 offensive boards, you're right. And defense rebounding was not good. Yeah, they especially, had to go with the bigger lineup. In the second they half, getting, they went
1: to the bigger lineup because they, they, they were getting killed. killed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So that to me is is really important. I think, um, working inside, forcing, forcing Xavier to, um. That Xavier's bigs to defend, so setting ball screens with Martin Grumple, rolling to the rim beating him if if Xavier decides to switch switch all screens which which it did at the start of the matchup uh, here mm-hmm. um, be ready to attack that the same way they did here um, I think just generally moving the ball sharing the ball a lot a lot of what they did tonight. Um, in terms of just being collaborative, having that collaborative approach offensively, I think will be important for, for Xavier. Xavier is going to try to force, I would imagine, try to force Creighton into, into being like an isolation one-on-one team mm-hmm. that um, that you know has a bunch of guys that are trying to create shots for themselves because they don't. Uh, because they're sort of lured into that. Um, And a lot of times when a team switches all screens, again, I'm not sure if Xavier's going to do this or not because it didn't work well here when they did it, but when you switch all screens, a lot of times it becomes more difficult for um, a team like Creighton to share the ball and create for one another. You tend to just start playing a little bit too much one-on-one. yeah. And so that'll be... A key for Creighton offensively to just kind of have that,
0: have that flow, that clip, working as a team. Agreed. Uh, Joey Tempo, will Mac extend the bench to make a run at the title in MIC? I mean, yeah, I think they're gonna go for it. You know, they. Yeah. I don't think they feel like they're in a good position right now. I think they feel like they're trending in the right direction, but I think they're gonna go for that title. I not think they're gonna just try to take care of. Any remaining doubt and just punch that ticket themselves. Um, so Damian Jefferson played a little bit tonight, made some defensive mistakes, but also made some good plays offensively. Right. Uh, Davion Mintz is kind of maybe a question mark. I guess he's got a little bit of bump on his head. I talked to him after they like in a tunnel, just passing by. Like it, it sounds it like it's not like, serious. Man, but did you ask who Matt knows? about it at all? I didn't.
1: No, ask I did him, not. But. See, I, I the I don't sense like, that I was getting from a couple other uh coaches with that it, they didn't ex- seem like he could have come back in if he if they needed to at the
0: end, but mm-hmm. um Mitchie put the game away at that point. Yeah. Um, but he was in the locker room for a, long a time. He's got a good bump on his head though. Yeah. Like there's a good not. I mean it looks like there's a little golf ball in coming out of his head, so uh he didn't even know he traveled either. I that was I brought the bad news to him. You know, like, so he kinda got knocked yeah. out a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I was like, I think he did. I was like, that too. was a, I was like, that was a turnover, you know, right? He's like, no, what? I was like, yeah, they, before you bumped heads, you traveled. I think yeah, so they, did. that's why I the play got uh, whistled. Yeah, like, they didn't call a foul on Strews. That just happened afterwards. Is you serious? I'm like, yep. <laughs> 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 Sorry, David. <there laughs> yeah, my bad. That's a turnover. Um, let's see. So yeah, I think they're yeah, but I think they're going for it, right? Don't you? No doubt. Yeah. yeah. Um, This is from Robbie Trail. I'm assuming Jefferson's ankle still isn't right based on lack of minutes. Uh, We talked about this last podcast, too. Honestly, Connor Cashel just kind of, like, has earned some playing time. So it's not totally because of the ankle. It's a little bit because of the ankle. But I think if Connor weren't playing at the level he's playing at right now and given Creighton what he's giving them off the bench, I think they would push Damian back into his normal rotation of minutes despite... Him not being totally back to where he was because before the injury, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: My thing about Connor is like you—he's just done a really good job of uh, uh, being reliable, man. Like, and especially he's running on scout team right now, Mm -hmm. and when they put which Damian
0: Jefferson did a little bit of this week too. Yeah, and Connor said that kind of helped him. So maybe if Damian gets extra reps that way. It can helps you help. sort of get
1: into a rhythm a little bit, yeah. As you, yeah. And work back into the flow of things, right? So Connor's running on scout team, but then he's also able to go in and, <coughs> and defend Max Struce, which he never did in practice, right? right, right. Like he uh, he wasn't he wasn't imitating Max Stuus on the scout team. I don't think. I think that was uh, that was Jordan Stuus. Jordan Scurry. Yep. yeah. Um, but I mean, maybe he got cross matched and guarded him once or twice in practice but hardly at all and then he had to do it in the game for a like a four minute stretch considerable stretch right so that stretch that takes a lot of mental preparation and um probably a result of or or like being a veteran allows you to do something like that it's harder
0: i would imagine to do that as a sophomore uh, this one's from Jeff Sullivan. Does a win over Xavier get them in, or will they need to make it to the championship? Um, yeah, no, I think they do need to make it to the championship. Do you? Just put a hard line yeah. barometer on it. I'm going to say yes. Yeah. Uh, this is from Joey again. MVP of the regular season. Martin Crumple. Yeah. By far, right? Yep. Cool. Best, best, so defender,
1: best defender. Mm-hmm. Um, he's leading the team in scoring in Big East play. Top of rebounder. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. W- there's nothing even close I mean, correct. Tyshawn has closed a couple games mm-hmm. in an impressive manner, but Martin's been the most consistent. Yeah. Damian's uh, probably number Steven. two, right?
0: And it's, But there's a gap there, yeah. Or would you I say know, Marcus? Might, would you say Marcus?
1: Yeah, Marcus is in there. I, don't, I, I mean, I think Tyshawn's in there, too. That's um, the thing.
0: There's kind of a grouping of everyone after Martin. Yeah, but I yeah. think Martin's in. The top guy, I do too. Um, I think that's it for our questions. Okay, so you want to do big Eastern predictions here, real quick? We've got the field here, and then we'll do all the and we'll wrap up. All right, um, are you? Are yeah, you, no, I'm oh, good. okay. I'm good. You're no, like just, fine.
1: Like, yeah, yeah.
0: I, well, I just fell asleep for a second, but I'm ready. It's <laughs> a good sign. Okay, so the first game will be eight nine. Providence versus Butler. Providence is the eight. Butler's the nine at seven o'clock, on Wednesday. Who are you liking that?
1: Providence just whooped just the crap whooped crap out the cra-
0: I mean, whooped them senseless. So today. I mean, the only thing, AJ
1: Reeves went off. He looks like he's you know, right. He got a the get only right thing. Here. The only thing that makes sense is what doesn't make
0: sense, and so Butler will win. Oh really? 9 ten. You're going to flip this whole thing on its head now, yeah? why not?
1: Unconventional. Right, that's what this Big East tournament's about. Yeah,
0: so Providence didn't shoot the ball well at Hinkle, still beat Butler. Um, Shot the ball well in Rhode Island, kicked the crap out of Butler. So I'm convinced that Butler's not as good as Providence, and that's just a bad, bad matchup for them. Considering Butler is a team that plays small like Creighton does, however, they're not as talented. Yeah. So they they they've had they've tended to get their butts kicked by teams that have size and Providence has that. So I don't think Butler's got a shot in this one. Which probably that's means that's they will analysis.
1: win. Yeah, I was gonna say that's good analysis. Yeah. It's better than mine, which is basically the big East is crazy, so yeah. let's just pick them crazy. Let's uh, just pick Butler the... go ahead. <laughs>
0: which thing it doesn't make sense that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. DePaul versus St. John's, another matchup. DePaul's the 10 St. John's is the 7 Another matchup of I actually like Two teams that like, DePaul swept them Right And, and punked I, I them do, twice I do like DePaul in that So do I St. John's is not playing well right. And I don't think There's answers There I think I think They'll feed off The crowd for sure Because I think They're going to hear A lot of negativity This week About how they're Blowing their Dream season And mm-hmm. slipping away From them um, the thing that, the reason I'm still going to pick DePaul despite those, despite the way St. John's has responded to those situations this year is DePaul has played well in the Big East tournament. They haven't won, but Struess and Kane have performed well, and I think they've got just matchup nightmare problems for and, St. John's. And honestly, DePaul
1: played really well this, the two games prior to tonight, mm-hmm. and there was a really ugly stretch of play to start the game, but otherwise they scored
0: seventy six points in what thirty two minutes tonight.
1: Right, and then, that's that's a lot. And they that's were potent. P- they they were plus one in the final thirty six minutes. Right, Creighton was up sure. fourteen. Yeah, and Creighton won by thirteen. Mm-hmm. So Depaul was plus one in the final thirty two minutes of the game,
0: and that's with a guy like Mitch Balick having a ridiculous, just an unbelievable. Un- uh, yeah. So you think if, 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 if yeah, so you think if so Shamari does what? 70% of what Mitch Ballard did, and he's on, DePaul still can withstand that.
1: Yeah. yeah. I just think DePaul's playing well, and, like, mm-hmm. um, they ran into kind of, like, a little bit of a buzzsaw tonight, but that doesn't change the fact to me that, like, they've got a couple veterans that I'm sure are going to be really hungry, and I don't know. That's, I'll tell you what, though. To me, Marquette,
0: Marquette is the two seed getting the winner of that. With the uh, way yeah, they're right, playing right now, right, right, it's that's, that's a little scary. That's nightmare scenario. You,
1: you can almost say winner of uh, maybe I'll just do that. Yeah, winner of the St. St. John's <laughs> DePaul is in the semi the semifinal. So John hasn't drink DePaul.
0: at all tonight. He's just embracing the crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's DePaul. Yeah,
1: it's one sixteen. DePaul in the morning. beats St. John's and then
0: beats Marquette. And then beats Marquette. All right. <laughs> that would be wild. That would classify. Um, yeah. So quarterfinals at noon. Villanova one seed versus what we both think will be... Well, wait. No, I said
1: Butler, and you yeah. said
0: Providence. doesn't matter. Villanova will win. Villanova will win that game? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I
1: agree. Can
0: we talk about, like,
1: oh. to play at 7 p.m. and then have to turn around and play at noon? That doesn't make sense. Why Why don't they bump these yeah, times normally, up a n-
0: little n- bit? Normally that game has resulted in a butt-kicking. Have <laughs> yes, you noticed exactly. that 8-9? Yes. that Because remember, St. John's and Georgetown played that awesome 8-9 game. And then Villanova beat St. John's by fifty Yeah, right? Yeah, so like, yeah. So you got to play at seven. You get back to your hotel or whatever
1: probably around midnight, Mm -hmm. and then you got to be up at. I mean, sure, you're up at eight or up at seven or whatever. It's not that's not unreasonable. But the other team didn't have to do anything. They didn't play the day before. It's just a normal day. Yeah. That's a really tough turnaround. That number one That's like seed. the one seed is like a guarantee like I mean it's funny that, now, that, that it hasn't been a guarantee. That, that one
0: seed lost one time. Yeah. And it was Villanova. It was Villanova, it lost to Seton Hall. Yeah. Yep. On right? yep. um, Sterling Gibbs Buzzer Beater. Right. Yeah. But Sterling Gibbs a Texas, Yukon and Seton Hall. Um yeah. Yeah. That um, doesn't happen very often. So I'll pick Villanova to win. I will too. Uh then we get Creighton versus Xavier, which we've already talked about. So who are we picking on that one? I don't know, man. I'm who leaning, gets, I'm gets leaning gets towards road. Xavier. Are you? Yeah. You just think the inside game's going to be too much. I, I, if huh?
1: Najee's not, not playing, though, that 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 is kind That's of. A question a, mark. I, I I like the I just like the way their guards are playing. They're playing with more confidence on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Remember, there's that stretch where they like just could not shoot the ball, and they kept trying to shoot and it's like just do yeah. yeah, something different. I feel mm-hmm. like they found something different, and a lot of it has been. Um, the emergence of Tyreek Jones and, and their guards' decision to kind of play through him a little bit more, mm. um, but they're also playing better defense as well, and that defense is helping spark
0: their offense a little bit too. Yeah, um, I think Gooden's playing better. Yeah, which is important because they were kind of point guardless there for a good stretch of the season.
1: I think if Najee's in the lineup, I I, I think I'm going to pick Xavier. Okay. And if not, Creighton? If not, she doesn't
0: yeah.
1: play? Okay. I think that's just how I feel right now. Yeah. I'll and be the... Maybe if, as I watch uh, a little bit more of Xavier. I, I haven't watched Xavier hardly at all since um, the Creighton game. Really? Yeah. I mean, I've watched so him play...
0: and you're their, them at their best, huh?
1: <laughs> right. I watched him play Villanova. I watched him play uh, St. John's. At for, St. John's. The first time? The first time. Um, that was a butt whipping Yeah. <laughs> but, and I watched a little bit of the Butler game, but I don't know. I I like watching, I like sitting down and watching games start to finish
0: instead of tuning in for 10 minutes or so, which is kind of what I feel like I've done for Xavier. Gotcha. I'll be the homer, I'll pick Creighton. I think, I don't think it's a matchup that is just a nightmare for the Jays. I think they've got... I think they've got better shooters on the perimeter. I think they've got more, you know, efficient scorers. And I think Martin has been really good um, at an all-league level inside. So I think he does answer my question of can Creighton neutralize Xavier's advantage on the boards. And I just think having Mark Zagorowski in this game is... I think Zagorowski versus good in his advantage, to you, yeah. so... Got to get him right, though, man. He's uh uh, two for fifteen from three in his last two games. Right. So, do you feel like that continues? I don't know. Oh, it doesn't sound like Scooby there. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, uh. Uh, I don't think it continues. I think he's. I think he's. Oh, I think ready for he's another really bold for prediction. It? Sure. Um, the
1: winner of Xavier Creighton Uh-oh. goes to the championship game.
0: Oh. Okay. So Villanova's toast no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm picking
1: Xavier uh okay. as at this
0: moment. So does Xavier is Xavier going to find themselves in a in a bubble situation or are they too far behind?
1: I mean, I I I, I would be shocked.
0: They're racking up wins right now. They're sure. going to be like 21 ish. If this run, like if they beat Creighton and go to where you say they go, yeah. right, 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 um, and when they don't deal with, with Marquette, with with and, and who will they have to play in the championship game? Because you said Marquette's going down, so yeah, yeah, right. It's um, Seton Hall, Seton Hall, because I already picked them to win it. Like, oh yeah, you did an hour ago. Well, spoiler alert there: uh, <laughs> Seton Hall versus Georgetown. Yeah, right. so you, think Seton, so you think Seton Hall's winning that, right? Yeah, they just lost to Georgetown and double, double overtime. overtime. Um, they'll be hungry. They'll they'll find a way to win that. My God, that's a tough game. That might be the hardest game to pick. 'Cause there's things that Georgetown can do that, that really gives Seaton Hall problems. Although Mama really played really well today against Villanova, I think he had like fifteen points and seventeen rebounds or something like that. That'd be big. But Akinjo was a gangster today in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. He was. So uh freshman of the year. Uh, that he's my pick, man. That's a good one. He's my pick. Hard to argue with that. Uh man. I'm not picking against Miles Powell in game one, so I will take Seaton Hall. Even though I think you know, it's gonna be, I think it's a toss up game, I think I could see Georgetown winning that because McClung and McGinjo and Goldman they were all really good against St. John's when they played at MSG before, and Seton Hall was not good at MSG when they played St. John's there. Right. So yeah, um, but I'll go with Seton Hall. So that sets up
1: for you. For you, up, that sets what's up what's the championship game then? Well, for me, I got Xavier. Seton Hall. Seton Hall winning it. For you, you still got to tell me who wins between Villanova and Creighton, right? And uh, I don't know. Did you pick? Wait, did you pick Marquette to beat? DePaul. DePaul. Yeah, I would. All right, so you got Marquette and Seton Hall. Who wins that? Seton Hall. And who wins uh, Creighton's Villanova?
0: Yeah, man, I think it would be Set. I think CU Seton Hall is the final. You got Creighton beating Villanova on day two? Yeah. I think Vill- I think well, Vill- I, I, well, Villanova, because not Villanova, Villanova has depth problems I think yeah. that are gonna be very apparent it's I think happen. Villanova's
1: gonna be very vulnerable in that yeah. semifinals game. And so that's why I think if Creighton can find a way to beat Xavier, it's got a really good shot to beat Villanova for the reason that you just mentioned. Yeah. And on the conversely, if Xavier finds a way to beat Z- Creighton, I think Xavier's gonna have a shot really I also good shot think to beat I also
0: think there are two so. we've seen two games right now where Villanova has not had an answer from Martin Cromple. And while playing him on day two with all he's maybe got in terms of wear and tear with the knees, I think I still trust him to have him, you know, to be a matchup problem for Villanova. And then you're talking about can Eric Pascal be dominant enough on day two of a tournament uh, on those legs as much as he's probably going to play. You know, after playing a Providence team, because that's going to wear on them physically. That's going to be a tough. That's going to be a grinding of a game. Yeah. So, yeah, I trust. I think I like Creighton on day two against Villanova. So who wins it then?
1: Are you picking Seton Hall again? Are you you going with the hometown Jays?
0: No, hometown Jays. My hometown Jays. Yeah, your hometown. No, I would probably favor Seton Hall in that game. Even though Creighton beat 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 them twice, essentially. Yeah, man, that's tough. Dang it. Like, you could argue. Because if Creighton was at full strength in both of those games, would they win? I don't know. I don't know about that.
1: Because they still got to figure out a way to guard Miles Powell. And then full strength Creighton's. Well,
0: they guarded him well the first game. Until the final four minutes. Mm.
1: Yes. Yes. He scored 13 points in the final four minutes. But he wasn't, like, banging,
0: though. He was one of the free throw line. That's different. Well, they they still scored outscored them by himself. No, they did. There's no doubt about it. But I think, you know, Creighton was in a comfortable had a comfortable lead on Seton Hall in Omaha too before they just started literally giving Quincy McKnight runouts. Mm-hmm. So Oh man, that's gonna be a tough one. I Yeah, I'm not I won't pick against Creighton then. They do it fine. All right. You know, a one man show doesn't win the whole tournament, even though ghost of Kevin Walker respect <laughs> uh <laughs> Yeah, the, I mean, Seaton Hall just doesn't maybe doesn't have enough. I guess maybe, and Creighton will be smarting from the two losses that they probably don't think they should have had to suffer. Right. So, um, yeah. all right. So, so I guess get- so the Jays win the league. I have the Jays. You have Seaton Hall. I have Seaton Hall. Okay. Spoiler, the so year. that came together pretty well. Then we yeah. both think that's going to be one of those is the winner, right? Yeah. That's a weird bracket. Well, I think it's going to because both those guys could lose on the first day. Right. Right. Yeah, right yeah. Yeah. But like the Missouri Valley.
1: What did it end up? The three Bradley four? versus Northern Iowa is that yeah. three four? Uh-huh. Like I think it's gonna be something I, like that. No, it's a, it's f- uh, five, three. Five, 3 Yeah, I think it's gonna be something like that. Yeah,
0: where it's it's just so this is five versus three also. Yeah, yeah. I I I, I would not be surprised if I also would not be surprised can, if Villanova just wins the whole tournament. Well, awesome. Okay. Yeah, because Jay Wright at MSG is a pretty solid lock too. Yeah. Um. So yeah, either Creighton wins it in bizarre world or Villanova just does what they do. Right. That's my prediction. All right, who who's player, your player of the year? So, I made this argument after Seton Hall beat Marquette, and I feel even more vindicated by it today. I think Miles Powell is my player of the year. Because I don't know if there's a more valuable player on any team. Because I'm trying to think... And I know that's not how the award is decided. I know it's, you know, there are statistical elements that just prop guys up, and I get that. Like, Shamari and Marcus Howard are probably better statistically. But... Like, I think Saint John's isn't all that, isn't all that different without Shamari. I don't think Marcus Howard is all that different with it, because Marcus, you know, Marquette beat Georgetown in D.C. without Marcus Howard at all, and lost to him mm-hmm. in Milwaukee today with him. So, you know, I, but I think if you take Miles Powell off of Seton Hall, that team is garbage. Yeah, not just like I'm not trying to disrespect their players, but I think they're easily the worst team in the league. You know, and I think they're they're a legitimate ten. Not a, not a non-competitive ten without Miles Powell. So to me, I think he's the most valuable player in this league, and that's why I have him as my player of the year. Even though he probably won't win it, but right. he's the guy I think has had. Well, the tough thing the is biggest is impact on winning and losing. Marcus even. Howard
1: is <laughs> real was really good through the until like the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, because these games that Mar- that Marquette has lost down the stretch. It's been in all these losses that it's had, and had a chance to win, and a few of them had leads late, but he's had the ball in his hands, and had the ability to affect the outcome, and Mm -hmm. he, well, he has affected the outcome, in a negative way. In a negative way. And that, to me, is surprising, just because of how well he had performed up to that point. Is it enough? The question is, and it's hard for me to make this judgment, because... I was already I was already convinced that Mm -hmm. he was the player of the year. And so now you're throwing this new information at me. It's like that doesn't compute in my mind.
0: But it is part of the body of work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it is who they are down the stretch is Right. Is is still part of who they were before that. To me. The whole thing counts.
1: To me, I would rather have Mark or Miles Powell closing out a game. So does that mean he's the most valuable player? Probably or Player of the year. I don't know. I think I, I think I'd go Myles I go Miles Powell. you I, Really? I, honestly, I think I think Miles might be the better player in general.
0: Oh, for sure. I don't even think that's a question. You don't think so? That's, there's no question. He's a play, He's a playmaker and a scorer. Yeah. Marcus Howard's just a scorer. Yeah. He doesn't. Marcus Howard does not see the floor like he should. Because he could get. One of the Hauser brothers 30 every night if he, sees, if he just sees the floor a little bit better. But he just, it has just a, if he's downhill, he needs to f- shoot the floater. Or if he's coming off a ball screen, he needs to either rise and fire or get downhill. And then if he's isolated, he needs to just, you know, size guys up, get the crossover going, step back, shoot the three. Like, he's a scorer. Miles Powell will get downhill and make plays for other people.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, he won't just look for his own offense. And then when he does look for his own offense, it's hard to stop. him also, equally as hard to stop as Marcus Howard, in my opinion, I think he's just as hard to guard as Howard. And I don't
1: know if I'd say that because uh, while Miles has had some good games, he hasn't done. He hasn't gotten hot the way Marcus has gotten hot. Marcus Howard's gotten hot. Like Howard has. That's fair. I mean, Howard scored fifty three points. He did go.
0: go, Yeah, that's true. Well,
1: overtime. Sure, sure. But when when he Miles
0: Powell did go off on Marquette, like. Fierce yeah, last That's game. true at the end of the game. He went. He went nuts. Yeah. So. so, yeah, you're probably right. Howard has a has more high end ability to, to just wow you with a big one, like a forty point half against Buffalo type of deal. Yeah, right. But Miles Powell has more like steady Eddie, and I'm more. I usually appreciate the steady Eddie more than. the
1: I'm with you, man. I yeah.
0: I'll give it. I give it to Miles. Two votes for Miles Powell. That's an upset. Okay. Yeah. Um, Defensive Player of the Year. Justin Simon. It's a good one. Yeah, I'm guessing it's largely because of <laughs> shutting down. Mark, shutting I'm down saying. Marcus Howard. It was it? your top. Uh, probably yeah. what if not. He's not your player of the year. He's probably number two, right? Yeah. So yeah. Two. So because know. of how it's much he's, good, he's a good defender. He is a good defender. There's no doubt about it. So I'll give it to him. Um, I'm going unconventional, and I'm going three way like they did a couple of years ago. Okay, that's fair. If that's cheating, I apologize. If you want to criticize me, yeah, before, I mean
1: it is because you don't have like a one guy, a third vote. You have one vote. The sure. Oh, that's a good. That's a good point. I am cheating so myself, aren't I? So if if you and I, it's kind of
0: like the whole thing. We, uh, you're not a fight fan, are you? But people would like what's your prediction for this fight and I'd be like I think this guy wins by split decision like how I'd be like how the hell can you have a split decision and you're the only judge Yes, you know what I mean? right so yeah that's I get you so yeah maybe I should just pick one huh pick one all right um yeah Theo John I think is my player of the year, or defensive player of the year then uh I I do like Justin Simon and I think because of the fact that I he think Theo's going to win it Oh, do you? Yeah. Okay. I mean, he's averaging like two and a half blocks per game. Yeah, he just... And it's so
1: much more than every other player. Mm-hmm. And then you look at Marquette... He just and, takes
0: away... and He makes people have to beat... He makes teams have to try to beat Marquette from the three-point line. Yeah. Which is a dangerous game because of how well Marquette can shoot themselves. So, like, you know, I just... He he, he takes away part of the game that's really important. And, and if, if you have a, a lineup with...
1: Two Hausers and Marcus Howard on the floor mm-hmm. and still rank in the top 50 nationally in defensive efficiency. It's because of something, right? It's because of something and I'm telling you, like, those guys are fine but they're not great defenders. Despite what Synergy suggests. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Theo John makes that whole system work yeah. and his presence inside make, like, he is, he is crucial to what they do defensively. Sure. And I, I can see why
0: you would give him the nod and I, that's why I think he's going to get it mm-hmm. but if I did if I was allowed to pick three I would say Martin, Theo and Justin Simon okay I'm not going to dispute that yeah Um. where are we at right now coach of the year Willard Kevin Willard agreed yeah we don't even need to talk about that one yeah I don't it's think it's going to be close right no. it should be obvious shouldn't yeah. it like all but one vote is own, correct <laughs> yeah okay
1: and he should just abstain
0: not vote for <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna vote, but you know, uh, yeah, right. I could like vote for myself. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. Willard, uh, where are we at? Sixth man? Do we have a sixth man of the year in this league? Yeah, they do. They do that. I was saying Isaiah Jackson from Providence. That's a good one. I think his numbers in league play have been garbage, though. So I'm trying to think if I can pick a better one.
1: Um, While well, you think on that, uh, freshman of the year, I got a Kinjo. Most improved, I got Tyshawn. Um, I agree with both of those. I, I but, was on the fence yeah. as for freshman of the year until this week. I think Akinjo locked it up. I into too. the week. Yeah. And today he was really good. Was really impressive. Um, I don't
0: know. There's probably another award that I'm missing. but um, I can't even think of anybody who comes off the bench and makes a huge impact. I thought Jordan Tucker could have been that dude, but he stopped being that dude. Paul Jorgensen. It's a good one. That's
1: an okay one. He's kind of
0: hot and cold. Yeah, but if you're, who you who else you who else can you think yeah. of? That's what I mean. Like most of the studs are starters, right? Yeah, Seton this Hall, league is, doesn't bring anybody. Doesn't have crazy. a lot of depth. Yeah. Tickets um, a starter for Georgetown. Mm-mm. Who comes off the bench for Villanova? Anybody worth it? Sadiq Bay starts now. Could have been him. Yeah. Yeah, six man's gonna be a tough one. There, it might just be Jorgensen. Might just be Isaiah Jackson. So, oh, sorry, I forgot yeah. you said one. Yeah, that's probably who it's <laughs> gonna be. But no big deal. I mean, don't worry <laughs> about it. He's <laughs> just like, no, it's gonna be the guy I said it's gonna <laughs> be. Uh, all league first team.
1: Anything you change? Uh, you thought, no. I thought you had this pegged down. Yeah, I was Anything? just making sure that I hadn't. I wasn't going to change it. Pascal, Booth. So,
0: player, we both have Powell as a player of the oh, year. Yeah, so, I, I got him. to do an extra one. Yeah, it's uh, him plus five. I'm not doing that.
1: I'm not doing that. <laughs> That's it's stupid. Five
0: guys. It's yeah. Just, so but it was,
1: you know how the Big East does
0: it. Yeah, it's Powell plus the five.
1: Yeah, I'm not doing that. That's stupid. Oh, so you just want to name five? Right. And Powell's one of them. Powell, Pons, Howard, Booth, and Pascal. I, I am kind of curious which extra other person gets snuck onto the quote-unquote first team because uh-huh. one of the first team members is the player of the year and for some reason isn't listed on the first team and so technically there are six first teamers oh man it's soapbox time here we go ridiculous that doesn't make any sense but i'm so i'm curious okay to see who the coaches think fits in that group but for my all think, first team I'm not going to go more than 5
0: cuz usually it's like based on um, you know a
1: team a basketball team has 5 players on the court at one time you don't play with 6
0: Yeah, I hear you. I love this rant though. <laughs> um I'll go by the rules and I'll say Powell's player of the year agreed with your other four and I'll say Martin is the, the other is the fifth. I think he'll Cuz I look at his numbers in league play and its I think it's either going to be between Martin or Jesse Govan. Now, Govan's got hype because he's somehow on the Kareem finalist list, despite their strong argument for Martine. Because that's like a whole season award. Martine's been better in league play. Yeah, he's been much better in league play. And I don't know, I think it's close. So I, I would have, I think it's going to be between those two guys, and I think Martine, and I think it's going to be league play based, is what Thousand Award will be decided. So I think Martine will be get the nod over Jesse Govan for the fifth spot. So I think he'll be, I think it'll be everybody you said plus Martine. You know, by the way, so I do think Tyson's going to get most, most
1: improved, or I think he should, mm-hmm. but Nate Watson, like that dude has come on strong at the end of the year. He's got it. Like, I agreed about end of the year. I don't know if he was there. He was there at the start. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. But even like Tyson's numbers haven't been great in league sure. play. No, you that's, that's definitely true. Um, but he's made big time plays at the end of games. Yeah, um, for win, and a lot of Creighton's wins. Yeah, and I, and I
0: think I think people are. I would bet that since his coaches are going to vote on it, that they'll think Tyshawn is, based on the games he's had, where he's been in his top end. Yeah, they've his his ceiling is higher than Watson's, I guess. Right. Um, second team. Five.
1: Oh man. Okay, so Martin, uh, Kamar Baldwin, Najee Marshall. I think Max Truce is getting on there. Um, and
0: ah, uh, are you? I think do you have one pick last? I missed. Yeah, am I missing one? I got one more. Uh, I mean, I'm you're like, missing the couple that I'm like, I'm like. I can't even believe you haven't sent them yet. So let me to give you. A stat. I guess Govan.
1: I don't know. I don't. Oh, okay. So I, I mean, I, I agree don't want. With no, I, I don't want. I don't want Let Let me make sure that. That ah uh, maybe it is go maybe it is Govan. Okay. so say that mess. again. Who am I
0: so Say that again. Govan, Baldwin, Martine, Struce Strews, and there's one more. Najee. Naji. Yeah. Okay. Am I missing somebody? Who am I missing? I mean, I think you are. Who? Well, I would go... Um, shoot, I just had it in my head. Well, I would go Sam Hauser for one.
1: I thought about Sam. I did. I, yeah. I almost put Sam on there, but...
0: Um. So I would go Sam Hauser. Yeah, he Max probably... Alex
1: Drews. Hauser deserves to be on there. He's he's very underrated in some of the things he does. Like, mm-hmm. he rebounds. He doesn't turn the ball over. Um, really efficient offensive player. Mm-hmm. Obviously a great shooter. I think an improved defender. Although, you know, it does help to have Dale John as, as stated
0: previously. For shizzle. So, yeah. Uh, t- give me Hauser to take off Govan. Wow. So, Govan doesn't even make your all-league no. team, huh? That's that's a, that's a little extreme. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's a cream finalist, for crying out loud. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going Govan, Hauser, Struz. Uh, Baldwin and um crap I just had it in my mind oh Colin Gillespie alright oh stuff in there He's like whatever man that's a terrible pick uh, <laughs> uh they're the one seed man they're not gonna just have two guys the, the victor go the spoils I don't know have you seen their stats yeah. Yeah. They're, 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 those two guys are very good. They are very good. And then That's why they're first team. And then there's a gap. And there's a gap? Mm-hmm. I mean, Colin was pretty good today. He dropped a 30-piece on Georgetown. He did, yeah. He was pretty good at Creighton. He was all right. He was all right? He was pretty good. Yeah, he was four thirty nine. scored 39. He's not making a first or second team, all biggies. Well, he scored 39 on 10 in the league. How did we start the podcast by singing his praises, and then I just said that? Yeah. Whoops. Well, because we've been talking for an hour and 40 minutes, we gotta go. We have been. So, uh, yeah, that should get you guys. Basically, you shouldn't have to hear another word or read another word until the Big East tournament starts because we just gave you an hour and 40 minutes, answered your questions, I, broke if, down the if, tournament. If someone actually makes us, it all the way
1: through this hour
0: 40, people have listened kudos. to. We used to like record for two hours and that thing would get plays. Wow. So. Don't underestimate. Don't underestimate eat. how bored and excited people are to hear bubble talk, Board, to hear Big East tournament talk. Bored slash excited. Yeah, like, bored slash excited. All right. Like I've enough. got time and I need to know. So, and you do a good job. Yeah.
1: Uh, I don't know. I honestly, I don't know what we talked about for an hour and forty minutes. Like
0: that, talked about it everything. flew by. Time flew by. Did it? Also, well, I mean, we're about to. We're about eighteen minutes away from losing an hour. Right, 20. so we're gonna lose an hour of forty of the forty hour forty. Yeah, just the time's about, about to change.
1: Yeah,
0: um, and you're RV clearly. Kind of, I need to go to sleep. You are. I you're. Need to go to sleep. But did you? I slept I, in today because I knew it was gonna be a long day of I, watching I, Big I basketball I didn't, and. I, didn't. I was up early. I'll be up early tomorrow. So. Are you really? Sorry. No, nah, it's alright. <laughs> hey, but uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for your questions. Um, John's gonna be out in New York so make sure if you're not following him what the hell's your problem uh, get on that and yeah omaha.com for John's Plus Game Coverage White and Blue Review for hours. this podcast when are you are you recording with uh, Chris or Boone soon or? yeah we
1: might do it next I mean, did I'm, you boot
0: I'm Chris like a, I noticed last time it was just you and Boone yeah, well, it was so just like, me uh, Boone and I Chris was doing something else oh okay Working so elsewhere. it wasn't like because Nebraska is no. free falling temporary substitute. Okay, gotcha.
1: Um, we're gonna try to record before we leave. Before I leave, and, and Chris leaves. He goes to Chicago for the Big Ten tournament. I'm going to New York. I leave Tuesday. So Chris is going to the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, he's going.
0: Could be the end it's of an short, era. Short stay. Uh, I mean, could be. Probably. Be. I mean, it kind of is, right? Yeah yeah um anything you want to tease um if you're still in the mind to remember what you're about to do or something like that well I have some ideas but I don't I don't know man
1: had an idea and then an indictment came out and so that kind of disrupted sort of my, yeah. my plan
0: how did we not talk about that on this all this time we talked yeah we I don't know met, what the I, thought, was I was surprised we, we didn't saying. get any questions about it that's true yeah it's your guys' fault I'll blame you sure. for that um, that's bad that's bad that's our bad we should have talked about that maybe some other day definitely some other day
1: yeah um, you, so yeah are, so you guys, are you guys doing a podcast on Monday uh, damn it I think so so yeah
0: listen to that talk, podcast yeah we'll talk, to talk, I'm, talk I'm sure you'll yeah. talk about that I know yeah. Chris
1: and I will talk about it on the half court press okay
0: but my podcast is with an actual Creighton fan, so he's going to be much more upset than, and it's, less measured. That's okay, though. Okay. That's fun. There'll be the seeding hot passion of how a Creighton fan feels about seeing an FBI investigation right. encompass their program. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I guess one of the,
1: there's really nothing new to report with the indictment as it relates to the indictment. Um, yeah. Because it's it, uh, it, yesterday, Friday, was the day that Creighton announced that as is a coach, Braden Murphy was being placed on administrative leave, mm-hmm.
0: and I'd imagine most, which felt like a logical step based on the information that was in the indictment, right? Especially right. once TCU did what they did, that mm-hmm. was, it felt like, yeah, Creighton, you kind of have to follow suit there because it's basically the same information. Yes, yeah,
1: um, but you know, uh, Coach McDermott and, and Athletic Director Bruce Rasmussen both declined to comment when I asked them about it mm-hmm. today. Um, so there really wasn't a lot... there not a lot new. I guess you and I haven't talked about it on right. on this podcast, but...
0: Yeah, I asked Mac the day it happened, got the same answer, so... Yep. I think that's pretty much it. They're not going to comment until... They do, right. I guess. You know, we asked, but it's... Uh, they've done what they, I guess, they think is right in... Disciplining Preston in the meantime with the administrative leave and I'm sure they're doing an investigation into the new information they've received and trying to figure out the facts and then they'll probably make another action going forward whether that's termination which is you know if the information is accurate that's what's going to happen right. or he's reinstated I mean the, the, the four
1: or, well, there are four. There are three assistant coaches who um, are accused of taking bribes from Christian Dawkins, and those three got fired, and they've all accepted plea deals. Mm-hmm. Now, they were charged with a crime, and in this case, um, Preston Murphy and Corey Barker Corey, were from TCU. were not were charged. Not. Yep. Don't fully understand why not um, if they're... Is it included in that? Do you, do you the think indictment? it might be the amount
0: of money involved? I,
1: ha- I don't know. That doesn't. To me, it doesn't. Um, I don't. I don't understand why that would be. A, what's the difference between six thousand dollars and thirteen thousand? Seven thousand dollars. <laughs> <Yeah, sure. laughs> That's quick math in my mind. They're, but uh, I don't yeah. know. To me, th- those are significant amounts of money. It's. Sure. It's, it's not like I'm missing. Or am I missing? Is there like a a uh, uh, an amount that reaches a point where you're going from a misdemeanor to a felony or something like? That? I I don't know. I don't sure. think so. Um, but probably right. Well, yeah, but 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 once you get up to four figures, you would think that that's all
0: together Above, as, yeah, in, in the one. Same, yeah,
1: right. Um. But again, and, and the other thing to remember too is is, is there's a reason why um, there's a reason why people don't go to jail based on solely on the information in an indictment. Yep. Like you do, everyone has a right to their own defense, and um, just because it is written in an indictment doesn't necessarily mean that that's the only facts available and sure. that's the only thing that we're going to learn about this.
0: I mean, the fact that an undercover so, FBI agent was involved in this particular sting operation is pretty damning, however, all your points that you
1: just Yeah, we'll, we'll find out more. And right. and I'd imagine that we're going to get into more detail when the trial occurs in April. Mm. If not before. I mean, I would hope before. Still, this I would think still
0: the, this is still... the There's one trial currently going on and there's another one to come.
1: Yeah, the other right. one is... a. Uh, an assistant coach from Auburn, and mm-hmm. but yeah, like I, I mean, I think that there are a lot of Creighton fans who are frustrated and would be, um, they're ready to hear from Coach McDermott and Bruce Rasmussen and and others involved about what actually happened and um, that day has to come, right? I, I think it will at some yeah. point, um, but I, I my assumption is is that it's not going to come before this trial
0: occurs. So, right. So yeah. Agreed. It'll. I would be surprised if it didn't come before next season starts because I think all the stuff will be uh, at least readily available to the point where we can formulate opinions on it. Or, right. You know, if, uh, I guess informed opinions. I should say, yeah. not just wild accusations. But well, and then um, well
1: the other f- factor too will be the NCAA. Because it'll start opening up, it's on investigations, sure. and will that prevent? But
0: that that will, might take a little longer, though. Yeah, but will? But will, it also. Oh, you're saying yeah, will we'll prevent will, them from will, speaking? Will they feel yeah, uncomfortable
1: true. about speaking out upon it because they're going to be investigative by the NCAA? True. I don't know, but I do think that there are a lot of um, Creighton supporters who are, you know, ready to hear from the people who are in charge about this, and, mm. and certainly there are legal. You understand that. There's a legal process playing out, but also, um, you know, at some point, people want to hear explanations, right? So...
0: Well, not just want, but probably deserve. Yeah. If they're... If you're... Especially if you're in a, you know, a situation where you're a booster... Especially a high-end booster. If you're investing a lot of your and not just hard-earned not just a, money into not the just program boosters, man. No, but I mean, just no. people who go to games. Well, like, that, actually, well, that's yeah, boosters, though. Right? Oh, aren't I you guess. Like, all, if, you're a donate, if you're donating, I guess if you're tickets and stuff like that, you're a booster, aren't I, you? I,
1: I, I think anybody who's at the game, who wears a Creighton shirt around town, like they
0: all are. they oh, all have, they all sort of they're all invested. Yeah. And Basically, if I'm my argument is if you're investing your hard-earned money into the program, you just, you are owed the the an explanation for what that money is producing. Yeah, and that's that goes straight to the top. That goes to Bruce Rasmussen and Greg McDermott to explain. Um, in some, you know, what what no matter how tied their hands may be. Uh, from a legal standpoint, in some degree that's satisfying to at least provide some clarity to the fan base uh, because that's ultimately who, you know, when you're, when you're outside the parameters of your responsibilities to, to the players that are, and the student-athletes, there are also, also responsibilities to the fan base and the people that support you. And yeah. that's where you're owed, those people are owed explanation. So agreed. that day should come. Um, when, I don't know, but it should come. And I think that's, so, sorry, yeah, we wrapped that at the end there, but we should have tied that in sooner. But we were, I mean, it is a game that we were reacting to, too, and then the tournament, all these kind of moving parts, so. Got a little um, distracted Yeah, we Two in the morning. We did. Whoops. Hopefully this was a very informative podcast. we de- I'm definitely going to tease the crap out of this, because we talked a lot, so, uh thanks for tuning in we appreciate the questions appreciate the interaction um, hopefully it's not, this la- not the last podcast of the season but it could be but uh, so we appreciate your support for another year um, and yeah if you're going to New York say it travels if not find a cool spot to watch the Jays and watch, watch party watch, watch party oh dang you're right I should get the tires on that shouldn't I Get it going. Yep. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one.